everyone, and welcome to Wholesale Change, just the webcast and podcast from Distribution Strategy Group, where we offer thought leadership for wholesale change agents like you. Because if you're on this show, you probably are a wholesale change agent. My name is Ian Heller. I'll be your co-host today, along with my business partner and the master of math, which is true. He can do like two-digit calculations in his head all day long. Jonathan Bine. How are you today, Jonathan? I'm well, Ian. So glad you are having a great time in Croatia. I know. I'm in Dubrovnik, or Dubrovnik, as we say in the United States, uh, speaking at a, a conference and uh, moderating a couple of panels. It's 6 o'clock at night here and 10 a.m. where you are. So, you know, we're kind of ahead of the, ahead of the curve here, buddy. That's generally what I expect from you, Ian. So this is just <laughs> an extension of that trend. Man, I need an eight-hour lead over you, man, just to keep up. Oh, please. But let's let's talk about your presence in Florida. Yeah, I tell you, that's a sad story. So, you know, we want to extend our, you know, our thoughts and best wishes to all of our friends and family in Florida. And uh, my dad actually lives in Cape Coral, which if you look at the hurricane path maps, is like the town that's just targeted by the heart of Hurricane Ian. Oh. And my dad, who was 92, uh, uh, told me, Ian, you're welcome to visit Florida anytime, but you don't have to be so bombastic about it. <laughs> and uh, But unfortunately, we talked him into evacuating. Um, and uh, he told me he didn't have to evacuate because he survived World War II. I told him there's no connection. But wow. uh, he did go over to the east coast of Florida, so hopefully he's nice and safe. I think you gave him good counsel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have a great guest today, Alex Tommy from Global Industrial Supply. But before we welcome him to the show, we have to thank our sponsors without whom these, this show would not be possible. We have two sponsors today. We'll start with Epicor, a company that has been helping thousands of wholesale distributors integrate all their business functions into one enterprise resource planning or ERP system for over 50 years. Because of their deep experience in the distribution business, they get you and your unique distribution challenges. Their ERP solutions were designed with distributors for distributors. That just means that their solutions are built specifically with the right functionality for the distribution world. They're ready to use out of the box without complex and expensive customizations. It's one of the top reasons new customers tell Epicor they selected Epicor for distribution solutions over others. You can learn more about Epicor at epicor.com distribution. We also want to thank Bloomreach. Bloomreach is the leader in AI-driven product discovery. Its site search and merchandising technology is empowering some of the world's largest distributors to deliver better personalized experiences to their buyers at scale. Bloomreach's best-in-class search capabilities are built to handle many B2B use cases like advanced part number search, custom catalog searches, and the ability to adjust rel relevance and ranking based on the industry of each user. Go to bloomreach.com slash customers and learn how Bloomreach drives value for HD Supply, Sonopar, and Global Industrial, who is uh, featured on the show today. So thank you to Epicor. Thank you to Bloomreach. Really appreciate your support. Now I want to welcome our guest to the show. We're delighted to have Alex Tommy. He is the Chief Merchandising Officer and Senior Vice President for Global Industrial. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on Wholesale Change. Ian, Jonathan, excited to be here. 
That's great. So uh, you for you podcast listeners, uh, just so you know, I have a little bit of a bio page up about Alex. And so Alex, I thought maybe you could, you know, walk us through your background, uh, you know, where you where you went to school and where you worked before uh, joining Global Industrial. Yeah, you got it. Um, well, I'm, out, I'm originally from outside of St. Louis. And uh, as things go in that area, many folks go to the great University of Missouri, Columbia. And uh, within uh, going to school there, I was a finance and banking major. And uh, and shortly, you know, shortly after graduating, I, I joined uh, Walmart in their training program and uh, and spent some time in the stores then shifted into a role at May Department Stores into buying. And that's really when my merchandise, my merchant buying career started was uh, at May Department Stores. And again, I've had various roles in at uh, May, May Department Stores, at Kohl's, Walmart, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, and, and Petco um, before joining Global Industrial. And when did you join Global Industrial? It was about a year and a half ago, is that right? A little over a year ago, yep. A little over uh, end of August last year, and uh, it's been a great experience thus far. I mean, touching a little bit on my on my background, I know that uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, again, spent some times on the front line and in the stores, and learning the operational components of that, and and ultimately understanding product and how it can be merchandised uh, to you know to gain the biggest impact uh, before going into the buying offices. Where at that point in, in retail, you know, the buyers did the, well, back when I started, the buyers did the selection, the planning, the replenishment, you did it all, right? And then right. Uh, as as things became more complicated, more centralized, um, you know, and you're talking about a full national chain, uh, then you had started the development of these matrix organizations where you had people who specialized in uh, in planning or replenishment and and buyers, and you all work together, you know, to to drive that business at your store. I also had a great opportunity to uh, join the uh, private private brand um, part of the business, and I have to say that's one of the single greatest um, experience I had in my career because it did many things for me. It it it, it took me, um, you know, I understood the buying part. Um, I went into private brand and the development of our brands and licenses and things like that. And that was at Kohl's actually is where I started that piece of my career. And I could take that understanding of what a buyer needs to drive their business and understand how trends in the industry can help take that business forward. Also, obviously being in factories, understanding how it's made, understanding the dynamics of, of, uh, global sourcing and how that can impact your, your business, whether you need something on a short lead time or you need something for, for cost and quality and value. Um, those are all elements that that um, I learned in that phase of my career. And why was that such an integral part? Because um, as I you know grew in my career, having that multifaceted approach over management and teams and understanding of those uh, different functions, enabled me to take on bigger and different roles uh, in my future. So my one you know, advice to anybody listening out there is take on those uh, stretch assignments or take, take on you know, a role in a new function because I believe uh, to me that will greatly help you in your career as you move up. A question for you on Petco. D does Petco have a B2B like selling to veterinarians component or is it all B2C? It's all B2C. Okay. I'll be to see. 
So if anyone has any questions, please feel free to jump in and ask them. Please use the Q&A feature on your Zoom screen. We'd be happy to take your questions if you have them. Um, so Alex, one of the things I was curious about is that uh, I've never worked in retail. You've now worked in retail and in B2B. Uh, what were the things that you found in retail that were particularly helpful or maybe the same that you encountered when you moved into B2B? Is there been anything new that has surprised you or, or you know, changes in your approach or strategy you've had to make working in distribution instead of in retail? Yeah, I would say foundationally, the answer to that question is no, because the customer needs to be at the center of everything we do, particularly well, I'd say throughout the organization, having that customer in mind and is the, are the things that I'm doing helping provide value to the end user? Um, I would say in retail, you know, hyper, hyper focus on, on the customer with different trends, with different ways to supply your product. You know, it used to be uh, you'd come to the store and you'd speak to them through a print advertising. Then there became an omni-channel, right? Or you're a direct-to-consumer retailer. Uh, all these aspects, um, you know, created much more complication, you know, for for merchants and buyers and organizations. But ultimately, the how fast you can get product to a consumer, how you can best, you know, personalize your uh, the way you speak to that consumer. In other words, through your marketing or whatever that might be. Um, consumers are mission oriented they everybody uh is time starved so how can you speak to me in the most effective way um retailer so that i can go in and interact with you very quickly and get what i need um and can the, you know can the content that you provide provide me um understanding and information i would say it's very similar to you know on the distribution side now there are nuances that i that i'll talk about in a second but distribution you know we've got to be hyper focused on the customer what problems do do they have and how can we solve them with our um, matrix of products and product solutions and educational um, educational uh, direction and, and help that we can give them, you know, through through knowledge centers or whatever that might be. Um, you know, we want to be a resource for them to educate them to solve their problems for them. But we also have teams that interact with our customers you know, uh, on the distribution side uh, much more frequently. That team, I guess you could say in retail, was store associates, right? They interacted with customers every single day. And the key thing was to learn from those store associates so that the things that we do in our offices, you know, make it very seamless for them to sell to customers. Same thing from a distribution and product management standpoint as we, we wanna make sure we're driving solutions and creating solutions from a product standpoint, and then how we message and educate. Um, you know, there are nuances below the line, like in distribution, uh, historically product manager, I think has been the key selector of product uh, and pricing. You then have a buyer that kind of does the um, transactional piece and a forecast department, things like that. Retail, you have a buyer who picks and buys, um, and then you do have a planning and replenishment organization from a financial standpoint, but there's a lot of, excuse me, there's a lot of analytics um, that's involved in that. And buyers on the retail side are steeped in those analytics, uh, as well as trends they see in the marketplace to uh, benefit the customer. I think product management is evolving to that. 
is leverage, you know, product managers needing to be more strategic, needing to leverage the the analytics in their area to help, um, you know, find gaps and holes and solutions for their customers. So there's some definitely some nuances there, but I think if you keep the the notion that the customer is the boss, you know, they're they're at the center of everything we do. There's a lot more similarities and differences. Yeah. So I guess my assumption is that generally speaking, retailers are more sophisticated at merchandising than distributors are. Um, and you know, part of the reason is there's a lot more change in SKUs on the retail side. I mean, and you know, no in, yeah, because we we don't have anything like fashion. Right? I mean, we have things that are. May change may be driven through innovation or by regulatory change. Or by season. Yeah. But season you, may, sure. you, you may have, you know, uh, storage products that are the same for 20 years. And I just don't think you see that kind of, you know, steady state with nearly the same percentage of your assortment in retail as you do with distribution. Um, but I think the opportunity to do, to add value to a, company on the distribution side is enormous. And I, I assume that's what you found when you moved over. Oh, no, yeah, no question. I mean, uh, I think to your point, retail side, depending on what industry you're in, you're always going to have changes and you know, whether it's seasonality, whether it's if, it, if it's on the apparel or footwear, or some kind of tr- fashion side of it, you've got new products coming in every, you know, 30, 60 days, depending on where, what area of retail that you're in. Um, foundationally key items, you know, drive the business, um, and help pay the bills for all that fashion product. Um, foundationally, we've got a lot of core products on the distribution side and on the industrial side of the business that, that enable us to do other things. But yes, you're right. There's not as much turning through products, switching out products. There's a lot of consistency there though, but I do think, you know, technology, innovation, is providing you know like this doorway to to new and improved solutions for for customers and um and then how we can help you know craft and problem solve for for the uh, customer as well i think um you know what i loved a lot of people ask me you know i had my career in in retail was you know spanned like 30 years and so it was like you know and was in you know primarily um, apparel footwear accessory retailers or sporting goods retailers or you know in on the uh in, in uh the pet market you have consumable and you have accessories that are fashion oriented but also very utility oriented so that didn't change you know like a crate for uh for a dog for example you know but um but you know at the end of the day i think it's about how we can think about the when we look at the analytics of the business how uh, different products trend differently um, throughout the year, and how do we problem, how do we storytell within those moments? Uh, meaning, how do we create solutions for our, for our customers to be thinking about um, to better their operation, to drive efficiencies, to drive safety in their, in their operation as well. And, and that's what I love about this business because it's so broad. There's so many opportunities to do that. It touches the back end, the middle end, the front end, and everything, you know, everything on every other corner of a business. And uh, so there's a lot uh, that's exciting. That's a challenge. And I think, you know, that's what gets merchants really energized 
is those pro the products, innovation, and the solutions that we can create. So it's interesting. I, I mentioned when we were prepping for the show, um, I visited my physical therapist the other day, and I saw your whiteboard with the private label of Global Industrial on it. And your your Global Industrial is one of the companies that really focuses on private label. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's that's a very fair statement. So so t talk just if you would about what you can share about private label. I'd also continue with the thread of as as opposed to retail perhaps what you're doing with private label that's different than retail yeah i would say retail is uh where private label you know what took a, a faster form as you know companies built their own branding and what that meant licensed brands and and created that within within their assortment to obviously leverage that value proposition to leverage that exclusivity uh, that those those brands offer, as well as, you know, typically a better profit margin as well. Um, and so, you know, Global Industrial is, I'd say it was head of head of the curve in, in many of that. We've been making private brand product for, you know, 40 years. And in many cases, we you know, we have this saying where it's uh, the extra chip in the cookie. And so as we think about the development it should be equal to or better, you know, value proposition. And so we may have uh, a thicker gauge of steel, we may have more reinforced, uh, you know, components uh, within within a product or, you know, more ball bearings, you know, in, in a specific product to, to help it roll more smoothly or operate more smoothly. And so that's something that's been a, a pretty good focus for the company for, like I said, 40 years. And, and I think that, you know, it's an important element of our strategy, but at the same time, it's a it's a a key piece as we look at our brand proposition. We want to lean into brands that really matter to our consumers, and you know drive private brand um, equivalent. And, and more cases than not, and I think that some you know uh, brands and suppliers may get concerned about a private brand development, but in more cases than not, where you have one sitting side by side. The whole uh, the the boat rises, right? The waterline rises, and all boats rise in that situation because you've got more critical mass, you got more solution orientation, and one may help sell the other. And I've and I've seen it more often than not where it all boats rise in that situation. Sounds like what you're saying is that global industrials approach to, to private label is to be more on the premium end of the private label. Some some people take a lower end of the private label, right? Not not premium products. Um, did, did I, I think? Well, I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. What I, what I was trying to say, and if it didn't come across well, I apologize. It's really about value. It's really about the the value add in there. It's not necessarily. Um, I think when as you think about your brands and your assortment. Um, building out a brand architecture is important and how uh, brands play in that brand architecture from a good, better, best standpoint is, is really an important element. I think our uh, focus on uh, on private brand product is adding value to that equation so that, you know, as a, as a customer, you can feel confident that it's going to operate for you the way you want it to. Got it. Okay. We have a question here. Do we want to take that now, Ian? Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. Okay. So the question is, do you believe there's a different merchandising message for retail interaction? I guess that means in-store versus online interaction. 
Well, listen, I think that um, we all try to build the basket, right, through solutions. I would say retail in more cases are trying to drive, you know, maybe an impulse opportunity. Maybe that fashion item is like, oh, oh my goodness, I, I can't go without that new uh, uh, fabric or sweater or, um, or print or the new color of the season. You know, I think retail focuses on that kind of emotional you know, connection to you and to stimulate you to purchase maybe that one extra thing. You know, you were, again, you were mission shopping, you were, you were going into a store to pick up your, your kids X, Y, or Z for school. And, oh my goodness, you, you walk past this, this product and it's fabulous. It feels good. It, uh, oh, it's a good price too. Maybe it's on sale. Um, and so you're going to put that in your basket as well. Same goes true as an online, an online direct-to-consumer as it relates to uh, if you're on the retail side. So um, I think there's a, that emotional play that retailers focus on um, to get you to buy more. Um, on the, on the um, you know, industrial distribution side, I would say it's all about are we providing the solution? And, and, and as you think about the solution, oh my goodness, I didn't think about that uh, pair of safety gloves or goggles or whatever it might be, uh, um, or uh, the light that goes into you know the trailer so that it's safer for the team to go in there, et cetera. Um, so those are the types of things that we try to solve for. It's not kind of the new uh, hot trendy thing, but it's the 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 item, the program, the uh, that 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 one skew or program to help you build out your solution that you didn't think you needed. Um, but once you get educated on that solution, you find out that you do. Right. Yeah. So you're solving a practical problem, not an emotional problem. Yeah, exactly. I know one of the things, because we, we had uh, Barry Litwin, the CEO of Global, on our show oh, probably a year ago. Um, and one of the things he talked about was how uh, Global Industrial is very good at uh, merchandising and shipping bulky products which is unusual for a distributor that operates out of distribution centers. Usually that's, you know, it's a hard thing to do. Um, how do you go about thinking about, you know, how you plan your bulky items and how you merchandise them and how do you ship them and you know, from, without getting damaged and at an economical uh, rate, et cetera? We are, we are, we are good at big and bulky. We, um, I say it's a, a core competency of, of ours um, from, you know, the partners we work with on the supplier side um, to how we work with them and in, in the packaging and finding packaging solutions to reduce the uh, the damage rates and things of that nature. And that goes through a whole lot of testing and compliance, uh, even through our, our own brand, you know, kind of channels. But, um, you know, it's something that through the years, the company has found a real niche in their, uh, our ability to um, package really kind of bulky items um, work. Our, our, our DC uh, distribution center uh, associates are fantastic. They know how to handle this. They know how to, you know, build certain frames and ways to, um, you know, protect that product on pallet or pallets, uh, however big that product might be. And I think that we've just over the years found a really good competency and efficiency in, in how we do that. And we're not afraid of it. 
you know, and I think that's why a lot of our customers, you know, really enjoy uh, working with us is that's a solution that we could provide them and provide it in a way that, you know, gets to their destination the way it should be. And if we don't, we've got a great customer service um, to, to support that. But I would say we're, we're, we've been very good at that, identifying those products, identifying through, in some cases, you know, the years of maybe trial and error to get to a really good place and how we uh, work in our distribution centers, set up our distribution centers, and then at the end of the day, ship that out to our customers, um, you know, in a in a quality manner. I'm curious on your freight policy, or do you see any sensitivity around the, the pricing on freight for the big and bulky? I, there's what we always do our best, uh, to be honest with you, Jonathan, we do our best to, to, you know, flow through the best type of freight to our customers, whether that's, um, you know, through through the providers that we work with, um, depending on the sizes, there are different challenges and different charges that that we all have to to kind of deal with through the you know the freight companies. But um, you know, we we've got a good network of of those people, and you know, again, we do the best job we can to to provide the best freight costs for our customers. How do you organize? Because you mentioned you have you know people who do repeat buys, and then you have you know I think merchandising people who create who develop assortment strategies without getting into the numbers or anything but how do you organize the merchandising functions at global industrial yeah you know it's it's a it's a couple different ways i think um having deep expertise in specific categories you know like trucks and carts or hvac or plumbing or you know furniture outdoor furniture etc there's you know, core, there there are competencies that you you build as experts in that in that category, and so in in I'd say in, in most cases we are uh, set up from a category standpoint. Uh, I think the industry you know is very um, similar to that, where you get an expertise in a category so that you know the brands, you know the assortment, you understand the gaps, you find the opportunities for newness and innovation and whether that's in your partnership with sales or customers where you're hearing that you can uh, hearing about opportunities to make improvements and you know you can work with your partners to do that on the product side and launch newness. And then there's a vertical uh, approach as well where you uh, understand an industry. So uh, I think generally speaking, the, you know from an industry standpoint, the the expertise is is driven by category. But to have uh, a leadership and a strategic point of view from a vertical standpoint and be able to penetrate a vertical and speak that language is, is a little different, right? Because it's multiple categories that comprise of that, of that solution. And so I think, um, you know, uh, I think there's an, there's an opportunity to look at it from both sides to approve, uh, improve the approach, improve the problem solving for, for the guest, for the consumer. That's interesting because if we tie back to your discussion about the, the product management side of things, you know, in a lot of organizations, I haven't seen this so much in distribution. You, you've got somebody that's managing a sector that includes product, that includes a solution, which is essentially part of the product. Um, and it seems like this whole category product management function and distribution is different than what I've seen elsewhere. Maybe you just have uh, the global industrial perspective, and that's what you've seen. But it feels like, to me, there's a big opportunity for distribution to, to have stronger category management um, along the lines of what I outlined. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's what you see the industry kind of moving towards and opportunities to continue to improve, you know, category leadership, but also, you know, the approach to specific industries is uh, is really important. And then, you know, building the, the strategic planning around that and um, and how you look at a market in connection with your the, the you know, the cross functional teams that are out there really will help sharpen your point of view and your in your strategy within those within that within that category management or within that vertical however you're you're approaching that is is really important because there are many factors that that play into how consumers will interact with you or how they how you can win their business and win their trust and I think that starts with early, earlier insights earlier planning and strategic planning to get ahead of those opportunities because anymore in larger organizations you've got cross-functional you know companies operate in a cross-functional manner in a matrix manner and uh no longer are the days where a, a buyer on the retail does everything because it's not it's not uh nobody can handle all that and and the consumer's demands are far greater than they were 30 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago. And so when you're working with experts in digital merchandising and sales and forecast planning, um, private brand, things of that nature, you, um, you've got to plan further out so that the timing to intersect and go to market most impactfully is built is you you enable that timing, you enable that planning and, and organization. Now, it's really critical to do that, but it's also critical to stay kind of nimble and flexible because the market changes all the time. So at the end of the day, being more planful should reduce the amount of fire drills, et cetera, et cetera. And then the way you go to market should be much will be much more impactful than if uh if you don't do that longer term planning. I think that really leads nicely into the next topic we want to discuss with you, which is personalization. And um, again, what what are you doing with with global? Maybe contrasting how the personalization and B two B is different from the B two C. Let's 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 play with that. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I mean, I think personalization is really important. It goes back to everybody's time starved. And so if you're sending me a bunch of information that isn't relevant to me or my industry, then it's a waste of my time, right? It's noise. And then once you get enough noise, you like hit that unsubscribe button or whatever, you know, um, you don't you don't look at the catalogs or mailers or emails or or whatever. So so driving personalization has been, you know, a, a hot quest on on the retail side but it's similar you know uh, on business to, uh, on b2b because again it goes back to like let's cater our messaging to what's really relevant to to that person or whatever industry they're in and so i think what you're seeing is the capabilities of of um you know business to business um web you know consumer interaction where you are kind of customizing um you know, different views or recommendations based on history, based on industries that you know they're in. So again, you're speaking a more, you know, speaking a similar language with that with that individual. Also, um, you know, however you speak to them, right? So it could be digitally, could be some kind of print um, or any other marketing um, way to speak to the consumer. 
it's the it's always best and more effective to um, drive that personalization. Again, you're 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 talking the same language. You're giving me information or giving me product solutions that really matter to me. And um, I think those avenues of of speaking and teaching and training, providing content, education to the to the consumer for their specific area is really important. You know, I think you see that more and more. Um, as it relates to websites offering, you know, content, offering instruction, offering problem solving, as well as, you know, maybe what's showing up in your mailbox or, you know, at your company or whatever that might be. You're seeing more and more of that catered to the things that matter to you versus matter to everybody. Can you talk about some of the things that Global is doing with personalization either now or what you expect to do over the next year? Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to, um, you know, as we launch some some of our new focuses and verticals, um, focus on things like the healthcare market or hospitality market, which we recently launched, we had specific directed contact information within the industries. So there's a couple of ways, you know, are you looking at GPOs within those industries? So you're specifically speaking to that customer. Are you looking at you know, kind of contact lists that you you can get to then interact with that that consumer through, you know, uh, dynamic emails, emails that have content that are specific to that industry, um, catalogs that are, you know, the big catalogs from the past are, you know, kind of, they're very dated. So mm-hmm. I think customer, you know, consumers in B2B are consumers. So how they want to, um interact with you. I think we've got to be more dynamic as a as a B2B uh, industry because, you know, it used to be in retail, you'd be like, everything is, you know, off this phone here, right? Everybody's going to interact with this phone. You're, they're going to jump from the desktop to the phone or the tablet to the phone or whatever it might be. The same thing with, uh, with, with within B2B. Um, they're walking around the facility they're saying, okay, I need this X, Y, or Z for, you know, within within my uh, warehouse or whatever it might be. And they're doing it on their phone. And so, again, personalized communication that's digestible and the way consumers, uh, consumers again, from a personal standpoint, they, they, they expect a lot of that same technology and capability on the work front. And um, and that's a way that we're with interacting with customers to make that more of a seamless uh, interaction with them. Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's a reason they call those big print catalogs general catalogs because they were general, right? I mean, it was pretty much your whole assortment. Here it is. You know, when you need something, you can look it up. It really wasn't a selling piece. It was a buying piece or a shopping piece, right? Right. Um, and uh, I like what you're saying about look, if you're more relevant, they're not going to unsubscribe from you. You know, the, the example I use is I love motorcycles and I love photography. So you can send me the world's worst offers on motorcycles and photography, and I'm still going to look at them. Right. But if you send me an offer on baby clothes, I'm not going to even open it, even if it's the world's best offer on saving, on children's clothes, because my kids are grown up and I don't have any grandkids. Um, so and, and you know, baby, clothes, grow, baby clothes don't fit. The baby clothes don't fit. Right. So the so you know the relevance builds uh, tolerance and that's right lack of relevance builds impatience and unsubscribe so i, I think that's a, a very good point so you had mentioned um really the personalization at the at the segment level are you able to get down to personas at this point or is that is that on the in the horizon 
I, I speak more from an industry standpoint, and I think that, yeah, we're striving to, to get to that uh, personalization as it relates to how we interact uh, or, or what you see when you interact with our website, things like that. There's a, a lot of improvement being made there and a lot of focus on getting you those relevant um, aspects of, of products that you're looking at and or completions of solution, completion of a solution for you that you've been maybe researching. So we have a great question here. Is there any thought from leadership about providing services to support the product purchases? There's more. This is a long question, but it's a good one. Do you feel that offering services keeps customers sticky so they don't have to go to other distributors to buy the products and get the services that now go with them? Or is the focus on pure product play? And I'm going to add a little more context to this question. I think this is a really interesting question in light of the sector that you're in. You're not in an inherently highly value-added sector. You're not you're not configuring drives, you know, or motors that have complex motors for some industrial application, right? For for some automation thing. So I think I think the sector you're in makes this particularly poignant. Yeah, no, I I think it's really important to offer that value add. Um, we we need to find we need to have the right products. We also have need to have the right services and support for those products for our customers at the end of the day if our customer have questions if they need expert advice as to how to set things up or maybe fix things or whatever it might be um, having a, a robust customer service element of our of of the industry is is really important um, for those customer touch points and i think that that's uh, an area of opportunity and an area of of um you know, uh, it's an area of opportunity to continue to to build on it from an industry standpoint. So I was so I kind of break it down in a couple of ways. Can you you know uh, is there an opportunity to provide uh, expert solutions and services to uh, a, a customer that may need full kind of spill control or kind of safety assessment or whatever that might be, um, or how they you know kind of lay out their their distribution center and things of that nature. I think that's a great value add. Um, I think it's really uh, an important element within the industry um, to build relationships with customers, to build that um, uh, trust with the customer, to be able to provide those solutions. So, you know, uh, what, you know, again, key focus on customer service, key focus on technical support, where you've got product that may require some kind of technical, uh, uh, you know, added value. Hey, my my scrubber just uh it broke down and need need some support into into fixing it troubleshooting etc um those things are really important elements to, to focus on and accelerate so we have a couple more questions they're streaming in now so the, this individual is asking and, and i think this gets back to your statement about putting the customer at the center right customers the boss so since you're rooted in e-commerce uh, is most of your market research quantitative and data-based or is, you know, part of your solutions focus using qualitative methods, you know, with customer interaction directly uh, to get feedback? Yeah, well, technology is playing a bigger, bigger role and technology and analytics are playing a bigger, bigger role in, in every company, whether you're in retail or B2B. And so I think there are, you know, there are many applications uh, out there that are enabling you know, better uh, understanding of, of what, how the consumer is interacting with you, where they're spending their time, uh, 
where there are opportunities from a product that uh, it, it relates to the product they're looking at and, and offering those solutions from a technology standpoint. Um, so, uh, and then kind of speed to speed to market as it relates to new product introductions, things like that. Technology is playing a very important role in in addressing and addressing the those key you know questions that that they had there. And so, I think that as we as the as we think about it from a uh, e-commerce standpoint driving that driving tools and uh, enabling tools to help that seamless integration and that and the ability for um, for our teams to look at that data and analytics and provide better solutions for the customer is our are things our solutions that we're providing to our customers and the industry is looking at as well hopefully i answered that question yeah i think it was a market research question so you know how do you get your input oh. um and uh uh but uh i, I want to go ahead and move on because we, we have another uh compelling I would, question here. i mean i would say that you know the uh, the ability to to do market research to look at uh um you know industry data uh growth data future growth data those are things that are important for us to understand as a company and to kind of lean into sectors that we see that may be growing, that there may be nuances and technology that to support the growth in those industries. And so getting that kind of data helps us be, you know, better merchants and, and find new opportunities from a product solution and also offer those to our customers. Okay. And then uh, as people have, as you've had more and more people working remotely, uh, have you needed to change your merchandising approach in terms of the types of products, brands, and solutions you're focusing on? Or are you seeing some categories shifting more to B2C players? You know, I don't want to get too category specific as it relates to, to my own company, but industry trends, you know, certainly the remote, the our ability to do this right now is fantastic, right? You're in Europe, I'm in San Diego. Jonathan, I don't know where you're at, somewhere in the central time zone. Um, but you know, the that ability to to have that and offer products that provide those solutions for us being have a home office, have that ability to to work remotely has been a, a key game changer, but also how, you know, the products that we offer um, to our customers to enable, um, you know, all the changes that we saw within the last two years, uh, providing safety, providing those dynamics in the, in the workplace, um, solutions for those workplaces um, to enhance uh, the ability to operate in a COVID environment or a pandemic environment was 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 key to the industry to make that pivot and to be able to provide those solutions for for the customers. Okay, that's great. So um, I think we're 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 running out of time here. We've had great audience retention, though, so that means you've been interesting, and we appreciate that. Very that much. means you've had interesting questions. So thank you for that. <laughs> No, it's been it's been a fantastic discussion, and uh, we really appreciate you making time to join us on the Wholesale Change Show. So, uh, Alex, Tommy, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having our, 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 our roots are in marketing, so we love having a marketing person on here. <laughs> awesome, gentlemen! Thank you so much. It was a great experience. You bet. Well, thanks very much. We do have a couple of events coming up. I want to tell the audience about it. If they can hang on for just a minute. On September 29th, Mike Marks, the famous Mike Marks from Indian River Consulting Group, 
We'll be doing a webinar on how distributors use CRMs today. This is the first in a three-part series on uh, CRMs. So that uh, that it will be an important conversation since distributors often have a lot of outside sales reps. That episode is brought, or that webinar is brought to you by Proton.ai. Then October 5th, we have How to Optimize Distributor Profitability by Dr. Al Bates, who literally wrote the book, I think seven books on distributor profitability. Uh, that webinar will be brought to brought to you by Epicube, Connexium, and SAP. So thanks to those fine sponsors, as well as Epicor and Bloomreach, who made today's show possible. Jonathan, it's been great working with you again. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining us. And uh, until the next time, uh, this, this is all for today's episode of Wholesale Change. Bye, everybody. Yeah,